Coming up today on NHL on the ice, the Flyers debacle. We'll get into that. How big of a dumpster fire are they? Uh, we recap Saturday night's NHL action. Also, we cover this past week of the NHL here on NHL on the ice. So with that, let's get started. <laughs> Back in front door, shot, Everybody here on this Sunday morning, December 23rd already, Alex. I know. Insane. Just, uh, Insane. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just wishing there, you know, I might sound like a sadist, but I, I wish there was some snow here. Um, yeah, I wish it was already here and not snowing. Uh, yeah. I I don't mind the snow too much. I can't stand the cold. Yeah, I mean, I, I, with us being in Michigan, we, we have to, you know, we have to be used to it. In six months, yeah. we're going to be complaining it's too hot out. See, I will never complain that it's too hot out. I will never complain about that. Ah, uh, yeah. Unless I'm umpiring, and then I'll complain. But other than that, welcome to NHL on the ice here. Brian Yates, Alec Musket. Oh, excuse me. Got a little choke up there, Alex. Sorry. Alex Musket here. 
for the next couple hours talking NHL hockey. We're going to recap last night's 14 NHL games, Alex. 14 of them last night. And also, I believe there is a pretty decent schedule tonight as well. Yes, there is. There's eight games tonight uh, kicking off at 1230 this afternoon with the Blue Jackets and Devils. Yeah, it's a pretty good early Christmas present for us hockey fans. I like it. This is the last day of hockey till after the Christmas break. Uh, the Christmas break will be in effect here uh, tomorrow, The which is called the holiday freeze. Uh, December 24th, Christmas Day, and December 26th shall be all days for all purposes, including travel, and no club may request the player's consent practice on such days for any reason provided. Uh, however, if December 26th falls on a Saturday and the league has scheduled games, games scheduled NHL games on such date, December 23rd may be substituted as an off day for all purposes. So, we have no hockey till December 20. No, NHL hockey, I should say, because box Christmas, World Junior start. Yes. It's about my favorite time of the year during the hockey season. Yes, it is uh, part of my favorite hockey. And the Team USA just finished a um, uh, their two-game exhibition with a 6-2 win over, I believe they played the Czech Republic last night, um, out in B.C., British Columbia. Um, Quinn Hughes had two assists, I believe, in 18 penalty minutes in that game. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I did catch wind of it that they did have that win over in BC. Uh, that's that's going to be one of the top teams to watch in the World Juniors. I mean, their their roster looks pretty good. Yeah, they they're they're pretty solid. Uh, I I, I want to say what maybe a quarter of the team is from last year. As um, you have uh, guys like Quinn Hughes. Uh, Joel uh, I'm trying to think, yeah, I think Jack and Quinn Hughes an, uh, Yeah, Wallstrom was on the team last year I believe he's on it this Yeah, he's on it this year too Yep uh, uh, There was Joel Farabee uh, Trying to look here Josh Norris, who plays for Michigan. Keandre Miller, he was a he's a Rangers draft pick. He's at University of Wisconsin. Uh, so they got some several several players coming back. Uh, unlike Canada, because Canada has one person coming back, uh, Max Comtois. He was uh, is an Anaheim prospect. So you'd be seeing a fairly different Canada team this year. It's just supposed to be packed with a lot of speed. Uh, yeah, so uh, absolutely. Uh, USA's one of the favorite teams. Um, USA plays fill-in on New Year's Eve. Um, Chris, if you want to follow a guy, he was on our show last year. Chris Peters um, does a lot of USA stuff. Um, so if you want to follow 
the World Juniors, Chris Peters. He's from ESPN. Um, he does for ESPN. Uh, he's a guy that you might want to follow. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, I follow some of his stuff. I look at that Twitter. He he is really good. Uh, that is a guy. I follow too. USA, or you can watch the games on NHL Network because I believe all the games. Yeah, all the all the U.S. games are going to be on the NHL Network. So that's good. So and and there's a couple familiar faces of the right now. Oh, isn't that supposed to be reserved for Monday? Yeah, I don't know why my crap's acting up today. Oh. That's why we. Reception. So, I don't know. We'll pull all through it. If you can't hear me, let me know. Yeah, there's a couple familiar faces uh, for us Red Wing fans that are going to be in this tournament: Philip Sedina and Joe Delano. For sure, those are two guys that we got to keep an eye on. Yes, Zadina is playing for. Oh my God, who is he playing for? Is it uh, Czech Republic? Is it the Czech? Yeah, the yes. Czech Republic and Bellino's playing for Team Canada. Yeah, he's been on fire for the last few games playing in the queue. He's got – I don't have the numbers on me, but if I remember, he had what, 31 points in his last five games. I could be wrong, but he was he was having a pretty hot stick blade before, uh, before the leaving for British Columbia. Uh, uh, Finland got L.A. Tullivan from Nashville, and you. Oh, I can't hear you. On Twitter, uh, let's get into last night's action, uh, Alex. There was 14 games going on in the NHL last night. Um. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty action-packed uh, Saturday. Game starting at early afternoon, all the way to the wee hours of the morning. Uh, that's that's our kind of that's our kind of day. I know the the Wings uh, were hosting the Florida Panthers. They they uh, laid a goose egg. They fell two to one against Roberto Luongo. Sorry, but your call cannot be completed. That was weird. Sorry, but your call cannot be completed. Yeah, I lost you there. Uh, apparently, my Skype decided to decide just stop working. So, I am back. Uh, should Alex will be back here in a minute, uh, and hopefully the problem is fixed. So, sorry about that. Uh, we have Alex back. 
Can you hear yeah, me now? Yeah, my Skype decided. Yeah, my Skype decided to stop working. So. Uh, it was weird before I got cut off. It was like the few, the, the first few seconds of the message I got. I thought it was the beginning of the show over again. I thought it was a redo. <laughs> we might want to, um, but we're back. Uh, so, before I was really cut off by Skype, uh, we had 14 games in the NHL last night, uh, and a lot of good games. It was uh, it was uh, a very it seemed like a very chippy day, and it seems like the NHL is starting to ramp up a little bit, right? Um, a lot of chippiness throughout games throughout the week in the NHL like we, midweek we had Ovi and Sydney chirping at each other on Wednesday night um it just throughout the week it seems like it's gotten chippier right and it, i think here on out for the rest of the season NHL games are going to be a little bit more entertaining Oh, I think so, too. I mean, yeah, I did catch the the game on Wednesday with Washington and Pittsburgh, and this is what we need. I mean, people talk about friendly rivalries. I mean, we look at, like, the NFL and the NBA, how people hug and, you know, give handshakes before the game, you know, some love. But this is is what what you've been getting lately with some of these games. I mean, especially with OB and Sid chirping at each other. I think that that's what the NHL needs, and I think that's good for – us, you know, watching the TV and it, it helps generate the buzz. Yeah, there was quite a few games entertaining last night. The Florida um, Vancouver game or Florida Wings game was entertaining. The Jets Vancouver game last night. I stayed up and watched that whole game last night. Um, remarkable back and forth action. The chippiness in that game. Um, we had chippiness in Dallas and Minnesota. Uh, we had Toronto Rangers a little bit chippiness. It was, I think, um, LA San Jose was chippy. Uh, we had a bunch and we'll start off with Boston here. Corner with high the five short side. They made another save. Now it's McAvoy looking for a lane right in front Bergeron and he scores. <laughs> best players in his first game back in a very long time and just the lost coverage you can see Bergeron comes flying out of the corner and no one picks him up and he just walks in all alone he's able to go across look at him come back there stop pulls that puck to his forehand no chance for Pecky even gets uh, caught up there with Roman Yossi so Yossi was kind of pushing him away and Bergeron up and over but she, Patrice Bergeron, first game back, and like they said in a long time, two goals, two assists, four points to reach 300-goal milestone, and doing so and become the sixth player in franchise history to score 300 goals for the franchise. Uh, a big 5-2 win over Nashville last night. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, if they needed uh, a boost – getting Bergeron back in the lineup, that, that that's the time to do it. I mean, he is the ghoul of that franchise. Uh, he had missed 16 games with a up, with a rib collarbone injury. Uh, but, yeah, they, there's the person they need in that lineup. It, it's definitely him. Absolutely. And that team will only get better with him back in the lineup. Yeah. And we, we can't leave out uh, the two guys. We got Dave Pasternak and – Brad Marchand, they each had a goal and two assists to help 
them win. Uh, Halak made the start for the Bruins. He posted 28 saves. So that means that Tuka Rask will be getting the start this afternoon. And Boston plays rivals. Uh, no, they don't. They play. Uh, oh, they played a hurricane. Yes. I was looking at the wrong game earlier. So the Canes and Bruins tonight, today, tonight, whatever, this evening at 5 p.m. <clears throat> Eastern time. Um, we head to our next game. Uh, <clears throat> we talked a little bit about Carter Hart. And let's get into a little bit about Philly. How big of a debacle the Flyers were this week. Uh, we were on the show Sunday morning, and reports had come out that Haxall was probably going to be fired. Um, and it went through, I don't know what the hell happened. But first, Chuck Fletcher said, well, I wasn't going to fire him. But the media had come out and said it. Who influenced who lets the media influence a GM on firing a coach? Yeah, that's, I don't know. That's like peer pressure in high school about drinking your first beer. That's, uh, I'm yeah, cause I, that. cause, yeah, I mean, they said he's, is he fired? He's not fired. I mean, this, I mean, you talk about a P, PR disaster. That was definitely it. And it was, and they were saying that Joel Quinville was, was agreed to be the next head coach. But that ended up not being the case, and that's when uh, they they brought in uh, Scott Gordon as an interim basis, which he still has that uh, interim tag for the time being. So, if who knows if Quinville's going to be coaching this season? My my guess is he's going to be taking the rest of the year off, trying to recharge his batteries and get back. Uh, if it's Phil, if it's not Phil, it'll be somewhere else. But yeah, this was it was such a disaster. I mean, you. You talk about something that that it was a pretty good impersonation of what the Lions did over here. I mean, you know, we all get that. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it, I wonder who their next GM uh, is going to be. It has to be someone from the Philly media, right? They, they might as well. They dictate on who's going to be the coach and who's not. So, uh, yeah, it was bizarre. So, Gordon comes in. Carter Hart gets called up this week. Uh, of course, of course, of all teams, his first game is against the Red Wings. It, it was like, it, all right, well, that's an automatic W because they're playing the Wings. That's uh, because that's, that's that's a given. Not saying that the Wings are bad or anything. Just it was just all right. Well, it's the Wings. You know, it's not like they're playing Pittsburgh or Washington or Tampa or the Leafs. They're playing the Red Wings, who's struggling to score goals right now, who's decimated. On the back end with injuries. Oh yeah, and uh, and Carter Hart. I mean, he was he was actually pretty good his first NHL game. I mean, it was probably the most anticipated uh, NHL debut for a goalie. I'd probably say since Carey Price back in 2007. Uh, I mean, yeah, the hype's on. Yeah, there's a lot of hype on Hart. He's supposed to be the next savior. I mean, the Flyers have gone through 35 goalies in the last 30 years. I mean, I mean, not since the days of Hextall and Pelly Lindbergh. Um, it, it, he won his first two games, and I know we're going to get to it in a little bit, where you know, he suffered his first NHL loss. It was against uh, Sergei Bobrovsky and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, let's not make three games into you know his NHL career. I mean, Philly has really sp- spit up and chewed out more goalies than 
than anything unimaginable. I mean, that's not a good place to be if you're a goalie. Uh, he shot 20 shots, which probably the best defensive game that the Flyers played all all year um, in a 3-2 win over the Red Wings. Yeah, and, and of course, with a new coach and a new goalie, I'm sure that I'm sure that had to give the boost to the teammates as well. <clears throat> so we we're at the fifth coach fired before the Christmas break here. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you see any other coach? I mean, I don't think. I don't know. I'm looking. I don't see anybody else that stands out that is on the hot seat to get fired. No, I think I think that we went through the ringer. I mean, we're, I don't think we're we're almost at the halfway point. So we've gone through five coaches. Um, I know Chicago, St. Maybe. Louis, LA. Maybe Blashill is next. But. Wouldn't it be safe to say, I mean, this would be a safe bet. I, I mean, if there's coaches that are going to be fired, it's probably going to be towards the end of the season, probably with a couple games left. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think we're probably all done with coaches. But, you know, who knows? I mean, anything can happen. But yeah. as of right now, to me and you, it looks like the slaughter's over until towards the end of the season. Yeah, so the uh, – so the pool's off for next couple months. So Columbus gets a 4-3 win over the Flyers last night. Uh, in, a, in a chippy game, the Wings, you know, they, they let the, the, the Panthers power play um, take a 2-0 lead on them. They get a goal back, make it 2-1. to one. Um, It was chippy towards the end of the game. Keith Yandel, what a complete tool bag. Keith Anna went last night. First of all, the cross check from behind on Larkin when Larkin is in a headlock. How does that not warrant at least a fine? The guy's in a headlock by a Florida Panthers player, and Keith Anna just comes in and gives him a two handed cross check across the lower back. Yeah, that 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 for sure should have been a penalty. I don't know how that that slip through. See, that crap in the NHL is uncalled for. Yeah. If it was the Red Wings doing it to the Florida Panthers, I'd call them out too. It was an it, it was uncalled for. It was ridiculous. There's no need to come up behind a guy and cross check him in the back when he's in a headlock and the play is over. Yeah, and then Keith Yano uh... decides to skate into the Red Wings scrum while they're trying to, you know, come up with a, a plan to score here because the face-off down in Florida zone and Keith Yano is going to skate right in the middle of, of the of the Wolf Den. And, you know, a little tussle uh, ensues. But anyway, Florida, Florida gets a 2-1 to one win uh, over Detroit. Yeah, let's uh, Jimmy Howard back. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, let them – yeah, let – let the Red Wings remember that the next time they play the Panthers. Which is New Year's Eve. Yes. Um, 
So Florida gets a two to one win. Like I said, they play each other on New Year's Eve. St. Louis with a three one win over Calgary. I believe the other night they were blown out by Calgary. I'm trying to trying to see. I can't remember because I'm getting old. Um, yeah, they played. What did they play? Stop. Um, no, 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 no. I know it was it too long ago. They played them and they were blown out by Calgary. I think it was last week they were blown out six to one by Calgary or some yeah. huge score. It and they about and, right. and and the Blues come back to win and they beat Calgary three to one last night. I mean, this team is. Like Jekyll and Hyde, like any any good team, they'll come in and beat. But any team that's below 500 or struggling, they lose to. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. It, it, you don't know which team's going to show up. Um, that's that's Calgary's third straight loss. I mean, I'd have to say if I you know I don't have the the sheets for me, it's probably their their longest losing streak this season. I mean, they've played pretty well, so it probably. I mean, they'll be back at top of at the top of things pretty soon. They got two two talents of the team to to go through a pretty big slide. They still lead the Pacific Division. Um, they are three points ahead of the Sharks. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a little bit of a hiccup, but they'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, let's see, moving on. Montreal and Vegas. Four, three winners in overtime. This guy had a career day. Do you know why he had a career day? Because I dropped him in. Gallagher into the offensive zone across the... Deneau and he scores! Philip Deneau ripped it. Upstairs on Marc-Andre Fleury. Tatar comes up the ice. He's going to drive, kick it out, and then drive the middle. That opens up the pass lane over to Deneau, who rips this one as... You can see Tatar, he's going to drive right down the middle. That opens the pass lane, and a great shot by Deneau as he one-times at high blocker's side. Gallagher wheels it back to the line to Ben. Wrist shot, tap, score! Philip Deneau down low, got a stick on it. He has both goals for the Canadians. Canadians did a good job, similar to what the Golden Knights did, just puck possession, get it back to the point, quick shot, and there's Deneau. You can see right at the top, here, take a look at the stick. Battling with England, it's a shot, and there's the goal. We'll take a look at this as it does drop a bit, but where does he make contact? And this will probably get reviewed. They'll take a closer look at it. Download of the dog. Domi a couple of steps in. Ten and a tip right for the great score. The Canadians have tied it. Philip Deneau down low, tips it in for the hat trick. And the game tie goal. All right, this is going to be Deneau. Yeah, Deneau with the hat trick as Montreal beats Vegas 4-3 to three in overtime. Don't you hate that when it happens when you drop somebody from your fantasy team, whether it's hockey, baseball, football, and then they all they have the – they become the top star of the game or, you know, just go – They have a career busters. game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if it wasn't yeah, for the worry, I, I, I should have known. 
Go ahead. Yeah, if it wasn't for Flurry, that that game would have been the Montreal would have won that without going into overtime. I mean, he had 43 saves and he looked pretty solid uh, in that for the for the Knights. Uh, Montreal holds down the last wild card spot as Vegas holds it down the third spot in the Pacific Division. You know what? All three teams in the Pacific, um, top three Pacific teams, lost last night. Flames, Sharks, and Knights all lost. Yeah, but, uh, well, it would have been a good opportunity for the Oilers to catch ground, but that, that, that didn't happen. We'll get into that a little bit as well. Um, let's go to Buffalo. Uh, they went three nothing, uh, but the big news coming out of Buffalo was broadcaster Rick Generet uh, having a medical issue issue during the game uh, yesterday. The um, director of SickMits. Uh, had an episode, uh, got, I don't know if he got sick or what, but uh, uh, he, I don't know if he passed out, but apparently um, he's resting and doing well. Uh, report, it just came out a few minutes ago that Rick Jenneret's doing fine. Uh, he's resting, um, no news on what was the issue, but uh yeah, it, it got quiet for a, a minute or two during the the broadcast, and a little scary. Yeah, it was pretty scary. I mean, I I did hear about the news. Uh, he was responsive when he was uh, being taken into an ambulance. I mean, it, I mean, for those especially in the Detroit area not not familiar with the broadcasters outside of uh, Ken and Mickey, I mean, he is he's like the he's the voice of the Sabers. He's what Bruce Martin was with the Red Wings. He's, he's what Mike Lang is with the Penguins. Uh, Joel Bowen with the Leafs. I mean, this guy is an absolute legend, and I just hope that he has a – he recovers well, and, and his health is, is first. That's first and forefront. So, to the game, Buffalo gets a 3 nothing win over Anaheim, a big win, uh, an impressive 3 nothing shutout. Uh, Mr. Darlene opened the scoring in the first period with the power play goal to reach 20 points. The first overall pick in the 2018 NHL draft joined Vancouver Elias Pedersen and Ottawa's Colin White as the third rookie to record at least 20 points this season. Darlene became the 10th blue liner in NHL history to record at least 20 points prior to his 19th birthday and first since Aaron, Aaron Ekblad did in 2014-15. Uh, also, uh, Phil Housley, Dallin's head coach, collected 57 points with the Sabres, a mark that stands as the highest point total by a defenseman before his 19th birthday. It's in pretty good company. I mean, look who he's, he's playing for. That's a pretty good, uh, uh, you say, passing the torch. I mean, there's someone who knows what it's like to be a blue liner in Buffalo and how to play the game on, on their turf, it's Phil Housley. Oh, yeah. I mean, what a great coach Darlene could have ended up with. Um, a, a defensive coach, a defensive Hall of Famer coach. Um, 
and he is fitting right in and looks like a complete veteran for the Sabres. Yeah, and you and I touched on that last week. I mean, well, he's he's not going to be a Norris Trophy candidate in the, probably for at least another few years. I'd say I'd say about five years. I mean, I think the to comparison, I would say it would be Seth Jones. I think. I think is when his defensive game develops, his offense is, is going to come into play as well. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty good building block uh, that you got with Dowling. I mean, he's in pretty good company. As far as Phil Housley goes, I mean, you'd have to consider him for the Jack Adams trophy. I mean, he's definitely he, – he might not win it, but he's definitely he – definitely, I see him as a finalist. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think there's any doubt that – Phil Housley's name um, should be up there with the Jack Adams. What time is it? And Linus Hallmark made 40 saves for the Sabres. Yeah. um, Hutton getting the night off, and Allmark comes in and 40 saves. Look, when he makes 40 saves in any hockey game, it's Pretty remarkable, especially in a shutout win over Anaheim, who's no slouch, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did mention Edmonton kept failed a couple of uh, two points. Anaheim, that was another team that you know, like capitalized on those three on those the top three teams in the Pacific losing. Uh let's see. Let's let's go to the other team that we were talking about. And this controversial play. The New Jersey Devils, who were coached that year by Peter DeVore, the Sharks head coach. Down goes Wagner at center ice. And now Eric Carlson getting challenged by Matt Luff. He delivered the hit. Brendan Dillon comes to Carlson's defense against Luff. And as we saw in the first period, the hits just keep on coming, and Wagner's shaken up. He certainly is. Wagner took a run at Carlson earlier on the shift. Carlson kind of spun around to get out of the way. And I think Carlson kind of put that in the back of his mind, saying, okay, if I get a chance here, there's that little run. See him spin around, nothing going on there, but Wagner did travel. There it is. Now you're going to have to figure out where the main point of contact is. It looked like it was Carlson trying to go shoulder to shoulder, whether that's the case. That's something you keep an eye on. The referees did not call a penalty on the ice. NHL player safety will hold a hearing with San Jose Eric Carlson for an illegal check to the head. If you look at the replay, the initial, it looks like the initial point of contact is the shoulder. Um, he may have caught the upper shoulder of Wagner's he- maybe head. Um, there was no elbow. There was no, like, sticking out the arm. N- nothing like that. It looked like a shoulder-to-shoulder. Maybe he caught the head. I don't see, I don't see a suspension on this at all. Um, I don't know if you saw it or not, but it, it, in a still frame, it looks like a shoulder-to-shoulder. Yeah, I was. I was looking at the replay on that, and I, I'm with you there. I don't, I don't see a suspension going. I mean, it was, it did seem like it was shoulder to shoulder. So I think it'll be, say, hey, uh, 
no games, you know, just, just uh, don't ram his head or anything, you know. Yeah, I, I don't see a suspension coming from this at no. all. Uh, the Kings end up winning in overtime 3-2. to two. Ilya Kolchuk comes back, another player who comes back and makes his presence felt. He gets the game winner in overtime. The Kings get two points, and the Sharks fail to capitalize to move up on the Flames. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. They needed they needed those two points. Um, I know it's two sounds better than one. Um, they both got games coming tonight. I mean, the, I mean these these are important games. I mean, especially going into the holiday. Uh, the Kings are in Vegas tonight, and the Sharks are hosting the Coyotes. So that's going to be it's going to be uh, some two points warranted for those teams tonight. So the Flames miss out on two points. The Sharks miss out on two points. The Knights they get a point. The Sharks get a point. I'm, I take that back. They get a point. Knights get a point. Ducks lose out on two points. Um, Edmonton, we'll get into that later on, and Vancouver as well. They missed out on two points as well. Um, and the Wild missed out on two points. So a lot of teams uh, in that Pacific, in that Central yeah. Western Conference, uh, lost out on some big-time uh, point movement there. Um, but we are going to head back east for the next couple games. Toronto. Rangers, I watched this game last night as well. This is O'Reilly. Up near center, got over the Ranger line with it. Tavares steps it up, cuts it So now, Mitch Marner gets his second goal of the game. It had to happen, kind of. Tavares, beautiful play. That voice you are hearing is the legendary Bob Cole. Bob Cole was on the announcing last night as Toronto beat the Rangers 5-3. to three. And look, I watched this whole game, and Tavares and Marner are just filthy together. I mean, just filthy. Yeah, I, I caught the highlights of the game. I mean, just by looking at those two guys, he's, that's a – probably as lethal one-two punch as any in the NHL right now. And that's uh, that was another two points that the, the Leafs needed, uh, especially in an original six rivalry on a Saturday night in Toronto. And what better way to, to have the game be broadcast with Bob Cole? I mean, whenever you hear Bob Cole's voice, you know, it's, it's golden and you're, it's, it's, it's a must listen. I my my grandparents are from Canada originally. My mom's side. They're from Tilbury, Ontario. Um, moved to the Detroit area. And growing up, staying at my grandparents on a Saturday night, my grandmother would watch Hockey Night in Canada. My grandmother was a huge sports fan. She didn't like football. She liked baseball. She liked basketball. She liked hockey. I used to watch Saturday nights, Hockey Night in Canada, with my grandparents religiously and. Hearing Bob Cole last night on the broadcast was phenomenal. Just brought back a lot of memories, a lot of nostalgia um, hearing Bob Cole. But, uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, I I spent seven hours watching hockey yesterday. From 3.30 till midnight, I watched – or after midnight, I watched the whole Vancouver game too. Um, So that's all I did last night was watch hockey. But, yeah, hearing Bob Cole watching Toronto, 
My grandmother hated Toronto, too. She hated the Leafs. She hated the Cubs. It's funny. I don't know why she hated the Cubs, but she'd watch the Cubs on WGN just to root against them. Probably rooting against Harry Carey as well. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah. Anyway, uh, Toronto with the big 5-3 win. Um, Henrik Lundqvist did not play in this game because he is playing tonight because the Rangers are playing a back-to-back. Um, they are playing the Flyers at seven o'clock tonight. Oh, so long I do want will to be in that. Oh, uh, King Henry. I also say he's very handsome. <laughs> he is pretty. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, I do want to put in a Bob Cole story. I mean, I mean, we're fortunate to live, you know, in the outside Detroit where. I, you probably you have CBC too. I take it right. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because I've driven up to you know like Flint and they don't have CBC, which I I think's racist. But just <laughs> you know. <laughs> but every Saturday night, I mean, you know, us having lived, you know, there of course there's ESPN had the NHL. I thought which I thought was the best one uh, in the '80s with Tommy's. Uh, you had. Uh, Dave and Mickey on channel 50 and pass. And then there's CBC, which you got Bob Cole. I mean, we only, there's only one game that they had every week. It was, it was mostly against the Leafs and whether they hated Leafs or not, they listen to the Bob Cole and hearing, you know, it was such a good tandem to, to listen to during oh, the game. Yeah. I mean, it, it brings back a lot of memories. Yeah. I'm with you there too. I mean, yeah. Uh, Bob Cole's a national treasure. I don't know how many games they say he's got left with Sportsnet. Is it six games? I think they extended it. Oh, they did. Yeah, I don't know how many total, but I read something that they extended how many games he's doing this year. Yeah, so. and that's one of the voices that you know it just sticks with you. And I mentioned you know the Rick Jenneret, Mike Lang, uh, Bruce Martin. Uh, I'm trying. I'm I'm drawing a blank on the the, the commentary. Uh, Danny Call- Gallahan from mm-hmm. Montreal, and Bob Cole's right up there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Bob Cole has a voice. You, I think you can hear Bob Cole throughout our intro. Um, with a few games, not in Toronto because. They haven't been to the cup lately, but uh, <laughs> um, let's talk about Mitch Marner. Gets his 50th point, posted his second three-point outing in as many games to reach 50-point mark and propel the Leafs to another victory. Um, they have collected a point in nine straight games dating back to November 6th. Toronto recorded its 50th point. By the 36th game of the season for the first time since 0304, Marner posted consecutive three-point outings November 26th, November 28th, is one of five players this year to reach 50 points. The others, Mika Ratnan, Nathan McKinnon, Nikita Kucherov, who had a big night as well. Uh, Marner became the sixth different player in Leafs franchise history to record 50 points in 3016 games or fears since Matt Sundin did it in 96-97. That's how special I think Mitch Marner and Tavares is right now. Oh, yeah. And I'm looking at 
looking at Marner's stats, he's got 38 assists in 36 games. That's that's pretty good. I mean, that's pretty darn impressive. I mean, don't let the 12 goals fool you. I mean, hey, that's all. All those assists is, is not all of them, but mainly of them is is with uh, linked with Tavares scoring. So he's, it's. I mean, his entry level contracts coming up soon uh, for the fourth overall pick in 2015. I know uh, with. Uh, with their signing that they did a couple of weeks ago, keeping the, the, the their main three young guns, it's making it more and more interesting for Kyle Dubas on what kind of magic he's going to pull on signing Marner to a long-term deal. Yeah, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, we uh, there's been discussions, but nothing concrete. Uh, it seems like Marner wants to wait till after the season to negotiate the contract. Um, but there's been sounds like prelim discussions on an extension or uh, a, new, a new contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's be interesting. I mean, that's that's some pretty good dynamics right now, and I just hope that uh, Mike Babcock doesn't break that, that duo up because that whatever I mean, they're whatever they're doing, they're you know got to keep it up i mean especially you know with with the playoff run coming real soon morgan riley having a, a phenomenal season two recorded his third multi-point game in his last four games to extend his scoring lead among defensemen to uh, 42 points riley can join brian mccabe in boring salming as the only leaf defenseman in the league's expansion area to lead all other blue liners in scoring on December 25th. Yeah, and and to quote Matt Foley, it's like I can't see too good. Is that Paul Coffey I see out there? He's uh, <laughs> what are you two points for Morgan Riley? Yeah, uh, Frederick Anderson. Yes. Frederick Anderson made 27 or 25 saves to join Vegas marked Andre Fleury as the only net miners to post 20 wins this year. Additionally, he became the third goaltender in franchise history to register 20 wins through the first 30 games of a season, joining George Hainsworth, 34-35, and Turk Bondra, 46-47. Or, I'm sorry, Turk Broda. I'm reading too fast. Yeah, Frederick Anderson. I mean, look, the Leafs are are playing well. Um, you know, they hit a couple skin marks throughout the season, but they're at 50 points. They're 16-2 in the last 10 games. They've won their last three. And it's amazing. They're still eight points out of first place in the Atlantic. Yeah, I mean, they've got a lot. I mean, they're just hoping. I mean, if they're winning, they're hope, I'm sure they're probably hoping that Tampa Bay hits – Hits a skid. I don't see that happening anytime soon. No, I, I, I look. Tampa Bay continues to roll. We'll get into that here later on this show. But uh, I mean, Tim or uh, Toronto's got to do what uh, they can and just come out and try and win every game and and not worry about what every team is doing or any other team is doing. Um, they're yeah, having. I, I think. 
I was I was gonna say I mean they they just just their thing is just win do what you can to make the playoffs and that's that's a second season right there. Right, and we'll worry about them when we get there. So, um, let's see what's the next game on tap. Um. Washington shuts out Ottawa. Phoenix Copley with his first career shutout. Uh, Washington blanks Ottawa for nothing. Do I have anything? No. Um. Pittsburgh beat Carolina three nothing. Penguins now on the counter attack with Crosby. Stick handles over the line. Brian Rust. Shifts it down the boards for Crosby. Falk all over him. Crosby to the front. Shot. Score! Chris Letang on the setup from Sidney Crosby down low. And the Penguins strike first in Carolina. Puck goes behind. Crosby protects that puck against Falk. Finds Letang who snaps it over the netminder. You can see McElhaney had his stick out. He could not prevent the pass, nor could his big shoulder pads prevent that goal that went in. I I kind of glossed over Washington because I want to lump these two teams together right now because just the history that they have with each other. On Wednesday, Pittsburgh beat Washington. Um, Washington wins. Pittsburgh wins. Don't look now, but Pittsburgh's back into the third spot in the Metro Division with 42 points. They're only five back of Washington. Um, these two teams. Two teams have been on fire. Washington 7-3-0 in their last 10. Pittsburgh 7-2-1 in their last 10. They're it's a pretty back good. at it again. Oh, yeah. It's a it'd be a pretty good collision course for the, the next contest. Uh, just looking at the numbers here, Murray got 39 saves. I mean, I think – let me ask you this. Is, this. is this the Matt Murray that we're going to be seeing for – for a while, I mean, you won't be getting shutouts every game, but I think is this the real Matt Murray we're going to be seeing for the foreseeable future? Well, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah, I think if Matt Murray can stay healthy, you're going to see a successful Pittsburgh Penguins team. Yeah. Is yeah. That's. He's looked pretty good. He 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 got 39 <laughs> saves for the shutout last night, which was pretty impressive. I mean, you, I mean, 40, 39 isn't 40, but it's still that's 39 saves. That's a really good performance by Murray, who's starting to turn it around. Uh, Chris Letang scored first goal for the Pens, and Jake Gunsel scored finished the scoring with his 14th and 15 goals of the year. Crosby factored in all three assists, so that's. Uh, it was a it was a good win for the Penguins. And it must be yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, for for both teams for Washington to Washington too to rebound from uh, the, the loss against uh, the Penguins on Wednesday night. Um, neither team plays tonight, so they are off till after the Christmas break. Um. Yeah, you know what. You know, Columbus is sandwiched right in between them, but I think ultimately you're gonna go, you're gonna see this wind down again. It's gonna be the Caps and Penguins fighting out for the Metro Division. I don't see any other outcome uh, than that. 
Yeah, and yeah, I know you're mentioning the Capitals are back. On, their next game's on the 27th against the Hurricanes. The Penguins are also back on the 27th, and they got the Detroit Red Wings. So both of them are doing their Christmas shopping right now. Speaking of Carolina, they threw the, they wore their throwbacks last night. They nice. wore Hartford Whalers. And mixed reactions. I've heard that. Um I just uh, I and I was a little disappointed because there's no brass bonanza being played. They didn't score a goal, so it was a bit of a letdown. But it was nice seeing the green jerseys. I mean, you and I are on the same boat. I mean, we've seen you know the Whalers wearing the green uh, during the '80s. I thought that that to me, I don't know about you, that's probably one of my favorite jerseys, especially when I see number nine, Gordy Howe's name and number. It just brings a smile to your face, even though Gordy Howe's course a red wing but he had that one nhl season in his in his 50s playing for hartford it just just brings a smile to my face when i see those jerseys yeah it it, it did the reaction on twitter is mixed um first of all jordan stall left the game did not return um but uh yeah i mean you know they call dunnan a money grabbing um, owner. Uh, some people are happy. Some aren't. Well, wouldn't it be a cash grab? I mean, if you have other teams wearing, you know, the throwback jerseys, I mean, almost every team's going to have a throwback jersey. So I could see where it's a little different because Carolina is not Hartford. At the same time, I mean, it's kind of nice to seeing these kind of jerseys being back out, especially, uh, you know, after 20 years of not wearing a, you know, no Whalers hockey in Hartford, it's, it's nice. And I'm sure that the city of Hartford was pretty happy about that. Um, yeah, a lot of people weren't happy. Uh, they even changed the logo on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, so a lot of fans not happy. Uh, a lot of middle fingers, uh, a lot of delete this, wrong on so many levels. Um. Yeah. Let's As a former season ticket players. holder for the whale, hell's no. Yeah. It's so yeah, a lot of uh, mixed reactions. Hmm. Yeah, let's see if they do it next year, just to see what happens. But I was looking at the Carolina Hurricanes uh, website, and it's uh. Yeah, the 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 top bar on the website's green, and it's, it has the Hartford Whalers logo, and it says Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, it's it's, it's a little weird seeing that. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. Yeah, well, on the on the Twitter page, it says Whalers Night. It's all green and blue and white, and Carolina Hurricanes, and it's got the whale symbol. So, and you know, I wanted to get into this last week, but Tom Dundon, he's a different kind of owner. Yeah, like a kind of like a Mark Cuban kind of owner, you say? Yeah, he's starting down that path of yeah. um, 
being that way, talking about how he hopes his team never um, drafts a defenseman in the first round again. Um, you know, just a little different stuff that a normal owner wouldn't probably say. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this he's a rookie owner, so I'm sure there'll be some stuff he's going to say that he might take back, but you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what he does uh, from here on out. As as the, I mean, he's technically still a new owner of the team, so it's uh, you know getting used to his personnel. So, but I'm you know, okay maybe with the, it. Different's good. Different's good. I'm okay with different. Yeah, I'm okay with having a an owner of a team come in and just be different. Not this traditional stuffy. Owner, I like hockey. Has a hand that right? Right. Hockey. Ha- hockey has not had an owner of a Mark Cuban, and I'm not saying be just like Mark Cuban. I'm not saying that, but be different. Be different in the era of being same is boring. I like different. If I was an owner. I guarantee I would be different. I would guarantee I would be a different type of owner. I would be an owner that no nobody's ever seen before because I'm not I I'm I'm half traditionalist, but I'm half yet I'm not going to go the same route as every owner has or is. I I want to be different. But yet I'm all about tradition. I will be go towards the traditional values of a team. But yeah, I'm going to be a little bit probably more outspoken, and I right. like that. I like. Yeah. I mean, would you be a typical owner for SNGs? Do I you would, own a, a hockey team? Would you be a typical owner? Owner. I would do what it takes to you know bring fans in. I mean, I, I like I like what Dundon's doing. Maybe uh, maybe he do what. Uh, Mike Illich did when he first bought the Red Wings, tried to give away cars, tried to bring fans to the seats. I don't know if that's going to happen. Well, in a time where the Carolina Hurricanes need fans. This is it. You know, yeah, absolutely. And he's got to do what he's got to do. And I'm not going to hate on the guy. I like like different. Let me ask this. I wonder if he's going to do Ric Flair night. I'm sure he might have. I mean, Ric Flair's face has been planted on the on the scoreboard and the PA system, giving him the woo. The, the, that would be a good idea. If, if you know, we we should pitch that idea to the owner. Yeah, well, yeah. He, he's from he's from North Carolina. Yeah, he's from Charlotte. Yeah. How much is Tom Dundon? Let's see, Forbes. He bought the Carolina Hurricanes for $420 million. I'm just reading about Dundon. Carmona's bought the team for $47.5 million in 1994. Gosh, it makes me think, where did I go wrong in life? Because he's a year older than I am. Wow. Um, prior to the sale, the team was settled with a $260 million of debt. 
the team debt's roughly a hundred million now. Um, yeah, you look, I, I'm all for a strong owner, uh, an owner that cares, not an owner that buys a team and lets other people handle it or a corporation handle it, you know, or treat it like a toy, like a certain owner here in Detroit. Talk about the lions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The lions. Uh, Aren't you glad we're other fans of other teams? And by the way, congratulations on your team beating my team last week. A little butt hurt still by that. Yeah, it, it was a needed win. You know, when Boswell missed that field goal, I was like, oh, crap. I thought <laughs> Here we go. Win. Yeah. Yeah, and and Tomlin's sticking with him. I'm trying to read up more on Dundon. Yeah. Um, wow. But yeah, that was a good win. I was, I was, I was had that Mr. Roper grin after that after the game was over. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm okay. I'm okay with Dundon doing what he did and bringing in. Hey, look, you're going back to the roots of the origin of this franchise, right? There's nothing oh. wrong with that. No, why not for a night or two? Well, yeah, it's only right. one game a year. For an- even if it's one, two games a year, what's what's the big deal? It's yeah. in. It's not like they're going back to Hartford anytime soon. All you're doing is honoring the franchise history. Absolutely. Of course, that was the better jersey than the one that they switched to in '92. It was. It was. It had the whole Whalers logo, but it was the color of I mean, it just wasn't right. So, I have no issues with it. A lot of people have no. issues with it, but I. So let's move on. Um, wait for my guest to get back to me. He's got hasn't gotten back to me yet. So I'll keep working on that. So let's go. Did I miss? What did I miss here? I missed something. Um, this must have been the other night. I, I don't know. There was two plays this week that caught my eye. Um, there was, I don't know if you saw the Braden Holtby play. Up top now to Orloff. Dangerous pass. Watch out. Ristolainen in the clear. Holtby way out of the cage. Jerry in point position towards the empty net as Holtby gets back to make a deflection. Good footwork by the big rig defenseman getting up the ice. Ristolainen on that loose puck jump. Here it is. The misplay at the blue line by Verona. And here comes the big fella. Look at Holtby come out, try to throw it over the blue line. He doesn't. And there's the shot coming in to flex right off the Capitals forward and out of the 
rink here, but some dangerous times here. Sherry, good opportunity, empty net, fires it, goes off of John Carlson in recovery mode. You'll watch Holtby get his stick on it too. Putting it out of play. Mm -hmm. Holtby came way out of the crease to make to break up a breakaway. And uh Yeah, that's was, that was it, the... um Buffalo didn't score on it. Okay, that's what I was and gonna then... say it was against the Sabres. Yeah, I did see that. That was that was pretty nice. They don't call them Holtbees for nothing. <laughs> uh, and then the Devils, I believe on Friday night as well, with this remarkable back-and-forth game-winning save and goal against the Sens. He's taken back by Stone, drops a pass back. Shabbat with a shot. Save me! Oh, somehow remarkably was it kept out of the net. Packed out here by the Devils. Take that back. It wasn't an overtime. My mistake. <laughs> but it was a remarkable back and forth sequence. Sammy Vatnin slides in behind, I think it was Kirk Kincaid, to make an unbelievable stop in the net. And Palmieri back the other way. Hall joins the rush late. Palmieri gets it to Hall. They score. It's 4-1. to one. Devils win. It was one hell of a remarkable sequence um alex you get a chance to see it if you haven't seen it so oh, i haven't it. seen it I, just by hearing the play the play by play it makes me want to see it especially are you kidding me that's that's kind of sounds like uh rex from uh napoleon dynamite that alone makes me want to go <laughs> go watch that yeah it was uh it was a great sequence on friday night and uh, Vatnin sliding in behind to make a save, and then Palmieri back the other way. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was good. Had to play that one. Um, yeah. Continuing on from last night, Arizona with a six-four win over the Colorado Avalanche. Arizona, and I mean they're hanging around. They're they're struggling, but you know they're three seven and zero in their last ten. Colorado, um, Colorado and the Preds with big losses last night as the Jets, the Jets with a winner. Here's Winter and a half to go last night. Blake Winter goes across, Buffalo back, scores! A one-time rocket from Mark Scheifele, and it's one nothing Jets. Jets score with a minute and a half left in the third period. Uh, Markstrom played great this game. Oh, my God, this was a great game. Even though it was 0-0, it was such a good game. It was chippy. Um, it was really good. I enjoyed this game. Like I said, I, I was so tired. I wanted to go to bed, but I wanted to see the end of this game last night. Um, 
it was a great game. Jets and, and Canucks last night. Yeah, I had passed out uh, well before this game was over, but I did catch the highlights this morning, and just by the looks of it, uh, it was a pretty good goaltending matchup between Markstrom and Brassois. Uh Brassois had another – he turned in the second 40-save shutout of the day. I mean, that was a, that was a pretty good win, and, and what a way to notch your first career shutout against the Canucks. Yeah, you know, he played well, too, last night. Brassois, both goalies played great. It was, I'm telling you, even though it was 0-0, it was still a great game. Yeah. Yeah, it was a yeah, pretty good, uh, as, as you say, a p- good pitcher's duo. But, yeah, it was, uh, unfortunately, you know, I mean, I don't know who the top three stars of the game were. I'm sure Markstrom had had to have been one of the stars. Yeah, it was uh, it was a hell of a game. Uh, so the Jets end up getting two two points in that, um, and basically, I'm telling you, they are the only team in the Western Conference that seemed like they won. Um, the Blues ended up getting a win. Um, Dallas, I believe. Hold on, hold on, hold on. They win last night. Yeah, they beat the Wild last night in two to one in overtime. Um, so that's huge for a lot of reasons. Um, Dallas moves into the last wild card spot. Edmonton ends up losing to Tampa Bay last night. Um, so Dallas sneaks into that last spot. Edmonton's actually tied with Dallas in points, but for some tiebreaker, they're ahead of Edmonton. Vancouver is a point out with that loss. Wild lose. Um, Blues, Coyotes win, but they're seven points out. So like a lot of the top teams in the central ended up losing last night. Yeah. That, that and we were saying earlier, those are much needed wins, much needed two points for those teams. Uh, I'm sure it's going to happen a couple of times during the season. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just, it's all about making the playoffs and making that, that run in February and March going into the postseason. Uh, I think it's it's going to be it's going to be be uh, much more interesting in the West. It's kind of like one of those table, you know, those six or eight man table ladders and chairs match, or you make it a ladder match, and everyone's just trying to get on the ladder and they just fall down. Yeah, the the whole Western Conference uh, top teams, uh, the Jets are the only team that basically won. Yeah, Dallas so. with the big win. We, you know, I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Western Conference because right now, it seems like there's a, a few Minnesota, Vancouver, Edmonton, Dallas, all vying for that last wild card spot. But right now, Winnipeg, Nashville, Colorado, Calgary, San Jose, and, and the Golden Knights came have come out of struggling into a playoff spot. You know, all these bottom teams are, are really fighting for one spot, maybe. Uh, whereas in the Eastern Conference, the Eastern Conference right now, if you look at it, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Buffalo, Washington, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Boston, Montreal. That might be your eight teams as of April to be in the Stanley Cup playoffs in the Eastern Conference. 
Yeah. I I you, see it. Can I you, mean, can you see the island? Maybe maybe if the Islanders can put a good run together, they can bump one of those two teams out. But I don't think the Rangers have anything. The Red Wings don't. The Panthers don't. The Sens, Canes, the Flyers no. The Devils no. I I, I don't see any of these teams sneaking in as of right now. Just the way no. this first part of the season has gone. No, because I'm looking at the I'm looking at the standings. The Devils and the Flyers. I think they're going to be in, they're going to be in the lose for Hughes race. I mean, they already are. I think it's, they're going to be the the two of the teams that are going to go for it. I can't see the Wings doing another hot streak like they did back in late October, early November. That's not going to be happening. I don't think uh, their injuries are they're decimated with injuries. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, Boston and Montreal. That I, would be a really good. Really good uh, push for the final wild card spot. Uh, I, I know you were mentioning the Islanders. There's a there's a uh, slogan that was said in Lou we trust, and I'm sure the Islanders or pro- Islander fans over there are probably going to be thinking that way when it comes to you know the the trade deadline. See what kind of moves Lou Lamorello will be making. Uh, the Rangers, I think they're out of it. They're they're re. Would you, yeah, they they even admitted last year they're in rebuilding mode. I think they're still in that that stage right now. Um, it's going to be a while till they make a serious playoff push. Um, I mean, yeah, the three team race in the East. It's right now it's Pittsburgh, Columbus, and Washington. And with Columbus, I know Panarin and Bobrovsky are free agents, and there's talks of you know. There were talks of trading, you know, early in the season. Those two guys, you might as well cancel that right now because those, you know, those are two of your key guys right there, and you're not going to break up that, especially if you're making a run for the the Metro Division. Looking at the Atlantic, I mean, Tampa Bay's just they're they're just running away with with the East. And I kind of I mean, and I glossed over that game last night. It was a six three win over Edmonton. Stamkos had two goals. Uh, he, he scored in fourth, his fourth straight game. He's starting to pick it up now. Um, Kucherov had a five-point game. Um, I mean, it. Tampa Bay is seriously is not a a team to be messing with. And I believe I believe it was uh, Domingue in that last night. I think it was. So I think. Uh... Because yeah, I think Basilewski started the game before, and they're not off. They're off until the twenty seventh, so they're doing some early Christmas shopping right uh, right now. I mean, these yeah, guys like are nine zero and one in their last ten games. Yeah, that's no their, one's that, hotter I, than the Lightning right no. now. That's their division to lose. You and I could be in net. We'd we'd probably be on a nine zero and one streak. Hey, uh, I played goalie before. I, so I, am I. I handle my goalie. I, <laughs> we could handle ourselves. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, their their away records more impressive than their home record. They're thirteen three and two. That's that's really good. Plus forty eight goal differential. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I, I, I'd say that's the. The closest, the closest team for a plus goal, differ, plus minus goal differential is plus twenty seven. 
And that's the Jets. So, yeah, that's I mean, uh, yeah, uh, you know, Tampa just uh, uh, it's hard to bet against them. I mean, um, three games remaining this summer. The Lightning aim to finish a full calendar month without a regular regulation loss for the second time in franchise history. The last team to go a full calendar month without a regu- regulation loss was the Blue Jackets in December of 16 when they went 14-0-0. Kucherov marked the 12th time in Lightning franchise history a player has recorded five or more points in a game and the fourth time in the calendar year of 2018, joining Alex Kilborn, Steven Stamkos, and Braden Point. Uh, Stamkos notched his 10th career 20-goal campaign to match Martin St. Louis for the second most in team history, trailing only Vincent LeCavier. Stamkos matched St. Louis in 20-goal seasons just two days after he netted his 366th regular season goal to surpass St. Louis for sole possession of second place on the franchise all-time goal list. Uh, Look, When I think Stamkos is starting to slow down, uh, just because of the injuries that he's had, uh, he's got 20 goals already. Yeah, he's he's heating up. I mean, yeah, he had those injury bugs a couple years ago. I think it's safe to say that's that's way in the past. And yeah, he's he's heating up. He's got 39 goals or 39 points on the season. He leads a team with 109 shots. Uh, his shooting percentage is, is really good. It's uh, third on the team, but it's still pretty, pretty good at 18.3%. Uh, this could be, I mean, this could be the year that the lightning uh, go, yeah, has that, has that big cup run. And it'd be nice to see, you know, guys like him and Kucherov and, Alex Kalorn and Victor Hedman uh, have their names on the cup. This would be the year to do it. And I can't. I, 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 trying, I forgot to mention Braden Point. Go ahead. I forgot oh, to mention yeah. how how good Braden Point is. He's so under the radar. Not anymore. I mean, he's got forty-seven points in thirty-seven games. Five guys on his team with 10 or more goals. Two guys on this team with 20 or more goals. Braden Point and Steven Stamkos. Um, Stamkos, Point, Yanni Gord, Tyler Johnson, and Nikita Kucherov, all with 10 or more goals. Kilron and Matthew Joseph, who's on IR, have nine. Anthony Sorelli also has nine goals. Uh, so there's three guys right there that are on the verge of ten goals right there. So I mean, this team's got to be the favorite, right? I mean, from top to bottom, I think they are the most complete team. I can't think of a, another team that is. I mean, they, they are the definition of a, a complete Maybe team. Maybe the Jets? Maybe the Jets? In the West, yeah. In the West. Yeah. 
the Lightning would be in that discussion. How good is Andre Vasilevsky? I mean, his numbers. I mean, yeah, he's got a 239 goals against, but his save percentage is pretty impressive. He's got a 928. He's certainly been awake this year. Well, not only that, I mean, the guy was injured. He had a, what, a broken foot? He was out for four to six weeks. I, he was out four weeks. He was out, like, the minimum that they said he was going to be. And he's come back, and he's looked strong. Um, he gave up five goals against the Jets on December 16th. Since then, he's given up five goals in three games. That'd be a pretty good uh, Stanley Cup preview right there, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. That'd be some really good uh, must-watch TV. So he's played one, two, three, four games. He's played four games since he's been back, and he is three and one. No, I take that back. He didn't even get the loss in that game. Yeah, he uh, yeah he's won three of his four four starts. There we go. Uh, posted three zero and one record with a two point seven zero goals against average and a point nine three zero C percentage in four starts since coming off IR on December thirteenth. Uh, Tampa will not play again until Thursday night against the Flyers. That should be a win right there. Hey, don't underestimate the hot flyers. Uh, well, we'll we'll see. It's uh, mm. it should be two points there, but you never know. Right. Um. So tonight's games, there are eight of them. There is the Jackets and Devils at twelve thirty. Bruins at the Hurricanes at five. Panthers at Blackhawks, Flyers at Rangers at seven, Wings at Leafs. Wings coming off a tough loss, Leafs coming off with a big win. Should be a good game. Um, should, should mean Bernie King, should, would be in goal. Yes, Bernie would be in that since Howard was in that last night. Kings at Golden Knights, Coyotes at Sharks, Isles at Stars. All those three games start at eight o'clock. Um, NBC Sports will have Coyotes and Sharks at 8. NHL Network will have Flyers and Rangers at 7. In our own local area, we Fox Sports Detroit, we got Detroit and Toronto. So, yeah, I mean, if you want another night of hockey, if you want to sit down at 7 o'clock, watch hockey all the way up to about 11.30 tonight. I'm off till next yeah. year, so I can stay up, watch all this. I don't have that luxury, <laughs> but I try to. I, I make due time. I I uh, I do I do my homework. Um. So yeah, if you're available, to, you know, tonight or this week for an extra show, let me know. I'm available. Okay. Will do. I know it's a little hectic for the next week or so because, but after Christmas and inventory. 
because you are in the world of retail, which yes. is fun. I don't yeah. envy you. <laughs> you know, it's not as my bad wife this in year. the world of retail. Well, my wife's in the world of retail as well, so uh-huh. I, I, she comes home every day, and I hear stories. I used to be in retail. I used to work at Meyer for six years, so yeah. I know, oh, yeah. especially this time. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm about to so do a little Christmas shopping. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. The next couple of days, I mean, it would be it would be mad mad dashes, people just freaking out over things. I mean, for me this year, it hasn't been that bad. It's actually been really good. Uh, there's been a lot of horror stories over the years, but you know I, that's what happens when you do last minute Christmas shopping or last minute. I ideas. have some stocking stuffers to pick up, and then I'm done. Um, some news from last night. Tyler Ennis broke his foot. The Leafs call up Trevor Moore for tonight's game against the Red Wings. Trevor Moore has 17 goals for the Marlies and will make his NHL debut against the Red Wings. So he should score a hat trick tonight. Um, Get him in your fantasy league. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, Matthew, <laughs> Matthew Dumba is out indefinitely with, I believe, an upper body injury. Um, will require surgery to repair an upper body injury and will be out indefinitely. Um, yeah, Max Pacioretty will be out. Oh, I'm sorry. Go on. I was going to say, uh, Dumba, that's that's a key guy for the while. That would be tough to replace him. He's, he's their, one of their key guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um Max Pacioretty out at least a week for the Golden Knights with an undisclosed injury. Keith Kincaid will get the start tonight against Columbus. That just came over the wire. Um, I was We were supposed to have a guest today, but I don't know what happened to him. This never had him flake out like this, which is weird. Bummer. Hopefully he gets a hold of me within the next half hour and get him on. Um, yeah, it's bizarre. Never had him not show up. Um, I have things we can talk about to cover that, but I'm just trying to yeah. find some more for some more news. Well, I do have news. We, you and I talked about it before the show. Um, there were talks with the Flyers. I guess they've t- inquired about Jonathan Quick. See, I don't the know. Flyers how haven't had enough They they talked, but I think it's something that they're good. I think it's one of those things. Hey, we'll we'll get a hold of you. You know those kind of things. Probably not. Maybe until the trade deadline. From what I was reading. That if if it, if the talks were still serious, it would, it would heat up around that time. Yeah, I I can't see that going down. I well, no. like why would the fires 
Yeah, I know Nick Kiprio said it, but they're sitting ninth uh, in the Eastern Conference. They're, geez, they're 11 points out. Why? Why? Just let the season go. Um, yeah, they're not going to make the playoffs. No, it doesn't matter who's in that for you. You're not making the yeah, playoffs I, this year. For, for, I guess with that, with that inquiries, I guess it was meaning that if they were to get him, it would get Carter Hart more time to develop. I mean, I know we had Russ Cohen on saying that it, it's going to take a full, probably a full year for Hart to be in the NHL and maybe full time. But I'd have to say the time would be now. I mean, if you're going to get your feet wet, might as well do it now. You're not going to fight for a playoff spot. I mean, your season's over. Your team's a, uh, from the front, from the front office and PR all the way to the coaching staff and, and players. It's, it's a, it's a PR nightmare. Yeah, it's it's a hot mess. I like, yeah, like you said, it's a it's a PR nightmare. Why just? I mean, your season is already a dumpster fire. Now, my question to you is, which team is more of a dumpster fire, Ottawa or or the Flyers? That's a good point. You could flip a coin and you can go either team. I mean, Ottawa's got issues of their own. I mean, they're trying to get a new stadium in downtown Ottawa. Uh, the yeah, Elliot Friedman talked about that last night. Um, in yeah. case if you missed it, Ottawa's up a, a creek without a paddle on a, a new arena. Yeah, and they've had this stadium for, what, 20 years now? And they want to move out of Canada. They want to go downtown. Uh, there's supposedly, supposedly some co- interest in conflicts, and there's lawsuits, countersuits. It's, yeah, that's a nightmare. And I think for the next four years they're gonna they've got they're gonna be in Canada. But after that, who knows? And I was thinking this to you because I was thinking about this on, on, on my show prep was I know we've talked about relocation the last couple podcasts. Arizona, you know, maybe going to Houston. What about Ottawa? Do they relocate to See? a team like Quebec? I that I don't know. I I think I think Batman will do everything he can to keep that team in Ottawa. Um Yeah. But there was this art Yeah. I I I don't see Ottawa moving out of the area of Ottawa. Uh the only thing I can think of is forcing an ownership change. And I think that's like last resort. Yeah. Get Eugene Melnick out but and I, brings Yeah, I don't see I don't see Ottawa leaving Ottawa. Um do you have this article from ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports? Oh, Okay, I have. Okay, we'll get our guest on here in just a minute. Message me back finally. Okay. Um, but real quick, um, Arizona Coyotes ownership change is imminent. Um, multiple sources said that change in ownership is pending and. 
imminent. Well, another said ownership change would occur, but not until 2019. Um, this is from Dan Bickley, 98.7 FM. Um, hold on one second. Sorry, I got distracted. My apologies. Um, <laughs> the sale would come less than two years after Andrew Barraway bought out the rest of the uh, uh, group of owners on June 2017. At the time, Coyotes were owned by Ice Arizona. A group included Barraway, George Gosby, Gary Drummond, Anthony LeBlanc, David Duckett, and others. Before buying out the team completely, Barraway had been the majority owner since 2014. Um, so there's reports that change in Arizona could come as early as next year. So So. there could be a possibility. I mean, the first thing I thought of in you and I've discussed it was, uh, relocating to Houston. Yes. Um, And I know Houston's been trying to get a team for a couple of years now. Um, if anything, they would be a landing spot for relocation. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. Let's get our guest that is coming on, and uh, we'll pick this up with him. Let me find some music. I have no music to play. Um, give me a minute. I'm looking. Well, crap. Hmm. I thought I had music queued up, but uh, apparently I don't. So, we'll be right back. I found some. Right. Welcome back to NHL on the Ice. Brian H. Alex Musket here. Uh we will be joined here by um writer, author, hockey hall of famer from USA Today, Kevin Allen. Kevin, good morning. Hi there. Good morning, Kevin. How are you doing? Good morning. Doing great. Doing great. Uh Happy holidays to you and your family. Um, glad you c- come on this morning and join us, talk some hockey with us. Um, I, I wanted to get your take right off the bat about the Flyers and what is going on in Philadelphia, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on 
how the process has gone with changing coaches, GM, and just the structure of the Flyers right now? Well, it's really been fascinating because it almost uh, has sort of flown in the face of, of the way business is conducted when a team kind of goes south unexpectedly. Like, you know, I think uh, this season the pundits all thought that the Flyers, because they have a lot of good young talent, were going to take a step forward. Um, um, and, uh, you know, they got young defensemen like Provorov and Gosses Pierre, and they made a nice off-season acquisition, and Van Riemsdyk, and, of course, Giroud is still playing at a high level, and they got Voracek, who is coming off, you know, a decent season and so forth, and, you know, they, they you know, stumbled out of the gate, and usually when that happens, the, the person that uh, pays the price is the coach. But in this case, uh, the first person to pay the price was the general manager, Ron Hextall, and I think what's fascinating about that is is that you know, during his playing years, Hextall was a very aggressive player. Like, I, you know, I've covered the league a long time, and I would say, you know, he ranks in the top five most aggressive personalities <laughs> that I've ever covered. Like, you know, the way he played on the ice and the way he, uh, his competitive, molten, volcanic fire, I mean, it was just really second to none. And um, But as a general manager, he's been a very patient sort, and he's been sort of the kind of guy you want to build a team. He you know, he's drafted well. He's had a lot of good young players. But what got him in trouble with, uh, you know, upper management was is that he wasn't aggressive to try to fix the problem. Um, you know, he stood pat on his goaltending when everybody knew that, you know, that was a problem area last year. And when he refused to sort of do anything to sort of to get this team sort of on the path to the playoffs early on because he wanted to maintain that patience, they fired him. And, of course, they brought in Chuck Fletcher, who – um, built uh, that Minnesota team that, um, you know, really uh, has always been, you know, pretty good, but, you know, not great. And, uh, you know, Fletcher hasn't done too much, but he did fire the coach and Dave Hackstall. And so now I think we're sort of in a wait and see exactly what's going to happen. Uh, is Fletcher, now that he's been able to watch the team pretty short period of time, is he going to make some pretty bold moves and try to get that team um, squared away and maybe headed back with the idea of making the playoffs this year, which is what I think upper management would like to see. Hey, you talk about their top goaltender, Carter Hart. Uh, Philly's gone through so many goaltenders, I'd say probably since the mid-'80s with the days of Pelly Lindbergh and Ron Hextall. Uh, just, just with the sample size that they've had in the three games that Hart's played, is, he, is, is this his net to own for the foreseeable future? I think so. I mean, in fact, that was part of the problem with, um, you know, with Hextall. I, I, you know, I think upper management, um, you know, the fan base um, is pretty knowledgeable in Philadelphia. They certainly understood where Carter Hart was, and I think Hextall is a former goalie himself. And as you mentioned, really, they haven't really had a goaltender that they've really uh, counted on since Hextall, um, you know, left the net in the, in the 90s in Philadelphia. Um, I, I think of our management felt like, you know, even though Carter Hart may not be ready, let's bring him in. Let's see what he can do. He's got to be better than the situation we had. And, you know, Hextall seemed pretty resistant to do that. And lo and behold, um, he is up now, and he's performing at a high level. The only caution I would put out there is is that, 
I think the general wisdom is that Carter Hart was not ready yet. Uh, they still needed, a, you know, kind of the the full season of the AHL. So, you know, is he playing right now on kind of adrenaline that uh, he doesn't know what he doesn't know, and that um, you know he's just kind of going out there and sort of reaction, um, and his reactions are you know pretty good. But you know, as the league starts to figure him out, will he have trouble? I mean, that's that's cer- certainly a uh, uh, a fair analysis at this point that you know it's a little too early to know that he's exactly ready to to go and we've seen cases before where goalies have come up and they've been hot at the start and then as the league sort of gets a book on them um not so different than major league baseball when you you know you've seen a pitcher once you know you don't quite know exactly what to expect expect but when you've studied him a little bit then you start to figure it out so you know i think it's too early to know for sure whether heart is ready i think what we can conclude though is you know because we've seen the talent that you know this guy's going to be a terrific goalie is it going to be now nah, let's wait and see but we know in the foreseeable future he's going to be an exceptional goaltender probably within two or three years maybe i mean well yeah i mean and it could be now i mean we've seen you know, young goalies come in. Uh, you know, that's the exception, not the rule. But you know, we we've seen Patrick Waugh come in at an early age and do the job. And you know, Gibson in Anaheim. Uh, you know, not everybody is sold on him, but you know, he it's pretty clear he's a talent and he's been a talent uh, for a couple of years. And you know, he was a young goalie. Matt Murray uh, came in in Pittsburgh and won the net uh, early and led that team to a Stanley Cup championship. So you know, it could be done, but. You know, let's not lose sight of the fact that Carter Hart is 20 and that, you know, there are going to be some some bumps. So, I mean, it's possible that he might be able to continue this on, but it seems more likely that, you know, it may take him um, some bumpiness for the next, uh, you know, a year, 18 months. We'll see. And uh, we're going to have to – but I think we're going to have to let that play out a little bit before we know for sure. Kevin, I, I wanted to talk to you about some teams that are struggling to find um, footing on arenas. Um, we heard from Elliot Friedman last night on uh, Hockey Night Canada that the Senators are struggling to find a, a place in Ottawa uh, for a new arena. Is that a lot of worry right now for Ottawa to not have – an arena, a place for a new arena right now? Is this something well, we should be worried about? I, I think it is a worry. Um, you know, that 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 arena has been problematic almost from the beginning. Uh, it's located so far away from uh, the city of Ottawa. Um, and, uh, you know, it almost felt obsolete as soon as it was built. I mean, I know that's kind of a harsh statement, but that's just an observation on my part. It didn't seem to have the sort of the modern feel to it. If you look at any of the new arenas um, today that everybody loves, the, particularly the one in Detroit. Uh, you know, I happen to live in Michigan, so I see a lot of that. Um, you know, it's set up and it's built with all the, you know, fan uh, – uh, benefits and you know the wider corridors and uh, you know the, just the better sight lines and the better situations for uh, luxury uh, suite holders and so forth. And Ottawa really doesn't have any of that, and the distance is problematic as well. And then when you factor in that the team is sort of in a rebuilding mode and uh, as an unpopular owner there, when you factor all that in, it, it does feel like it is crucial 
that um, that, that there's some sort of plan in place at the very least to get a uh, arena in city, um, and I think it would really do a lot. I think to sort of bolster the image, the public image, the the, the public relations for that team, and you know they've gone through. Obviously, they lost Eric Carlson. Um, as well, and uh, you know, they, you know, they could lose Stone at the end of this season. It doesn't seem like uh, Ottawa is a very popular place to to be these days. And so, um, you know, for the most part, I think um, they really need that arena. And I think it's a little bit, although I don't think the league is thinking in this regard, but I think you know, everybody knows Quebec City is itching for a team, and it's not hard to sort of project in your mind. Okay, well, if they continue to struggle there. Why won't they just move that team to Quebec City, which you know would certainly you know fit well into the standings and so forth? I mean, it would be pretty an easy switch for the league, and that caused great consternation. So, I think if you're an Ottawa fan, you, you start to think about those things. So, I think it is sort of crucial that they sort of at least decide where they're going on this arena. What about the situation in Arizona? Well, I, I'm a, I have been pretty supportive of the idea of hockey in Arizona. Um, I thought that you know if they could ever really get a team, I really felt um, and and they can really if they can get their arena situation resolved, I thought that it could work there. Um, I really did, and it, it made a lot of sense. I mean, the, the proximity to Southern California and the two teams there, and and uh, now Las Vegas. Like, um, there's a lot of reasons to be in Arizona, and there's a lot of snowbirds that come down from Canada. So I, I really felt it was going to work. But I, I, I must confess that, you know, my attitude in the last year has, has changed just because, you know, here we are headed to 2019, and we still don't have any idea what they're going to do for an arena. I mean, the Glendale situation clearly doesn't work. The fan base has spoken. It's too far away from the uh, the fan base it's hard to get to on a weekday in a timely fashion and you know and you know i i know the argument for because i've made it myself that it's never easy to get to arenas for any fan base but in in arizona it seems to be particularly difficult and challenging and i think that's caused a problem but i i think if the team was ever good i think it would be better but that doesn't resolve the fact that there's no plan that i know of that's in place um to get an arena that's workable and uh you know it's not workable now where they're at in glendale and uh they're gonna have to get that resolved so you know right now i i would say people for the first time um I, that i have felt that you know this this team is under the microscope in terms of it's got to get its act together or, you know, I, and I don't have any clue of where it would end up, but, you know, Houston, you hear, you hear certainly Kansas City, you know, I've heard people talk about Portland as well. So, um, you know, there are a lot of places I think they could put that team if they wanted, but I, I think their first choice is still to keep it there, but sooner or later, we got to show some progress here. Uh Kevin, uh, your thoughts on this uh, situation? There is a, a new team in Seattle that's going to be happening probably within the next couple of years. Uh, how much pressure would be on this Seattle franchise due to the fact that the Vegas Golden Knights, their first year, they went to the Stanley Cup Finals? Yeah, I mean, I, 
I think that's fair to say this, you know, there's more pressure. I've, I've said the worst job in hockey is the new, to be the new GM of the, of the Seattle team, because now everybody's looking and saying, look, you're going to be under the same rules for expansion draft that uh, George McPhee was under and McPhee hit it out of the park. But, you know, it is going to be different because I think, you know, GMs went to school with the first process with the uh, more liberalized rules that George McPhee had. And I, I think most of them didn't like what happened. And I think you're going to see a lot of GMs this time around, the ones that have been through this war before, that's just going to say, look, take one guy, take the guy you're going to get, but I'm not giving you three assets, you know, not to take my player. And I think you know there. Uh, and I think the uh, the Golden Knights are going to contribute uh, to the difficulty for Seattle because I think that will be a landing spot for a few players uh, um, that they don't that teams don't want to lose. I mean, I think Vegas is going to step up and offer something. Hey, instead of uh, losing that player, trade him to us, and we'll give you X. Um, so. I think it is going to be difficult, but I still think um, the rules are designed to give them a much better shake than teams prior expansion time teams prior to Vegas always got. Like they're certainly going to be better than the early Nashville Predators or the early Anaheim Ducks or the early Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, they have a chance to be competitive. I mean, it's designed to give you a number four defenseman. So in theory, you could get a, you know two or three of those, which you know, then gives you a credible defense. They're going to get a quality goaltender. There's no question about that. Um, and they, you know, they might get a little scoring. And the salary cap, I think, f- favors expansion teams because teams are always looking to get rid of the. You know, they'll give up a score if they can just get that uh, salary hit off the the books and oftentimes that you know with a new team obviously you're in a better shape to take you know a seven or an eight million dollar contract so i think uh seattle will be reasonably competitive i don't think they'll be the vegas golden knights but will they have an outside chance of making the playoffs yeah maybe but uh you know i don't think they're going to win the division or, or go to the stanley cup final I have to give you credit, Kevin. Years ago, way before Vegas was thought of being in the NHL, you said Seattle would be the perfect market for the NHL to be. Um, It was solidified uh, their foothold in the uh, Northeast. Or, I'm sorry, Northwest. Um, So i got to give you credit for calling Seattle years ago. Yeah. As a team, well, for the I mean, I, I, and I think there's a lot to like about Seattle. Like, you know, this this television market is bigger than the market in, say, Buffalo or Pittsburgh or St. Louis or Carolina or Columbus. Like, this is, I think, uh, if my memory isn't failing me, like the number eleven TV market in the country. So, I think they're excited about that. And as, as you mentioned, it's in the Northwest. So we have a very much a natural rivalry with Vancouver. They'll get some Vancouver. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize, but there's history for hockey in Seattle. I mean, the first American-based Stanley Cup winner, you know, uh, was from Seattle years ago, 1917, I guess. Uh, And, um, you know, they had uh, a Western, uh, I forget what it's called, the Western... Western Hockey League? No, that's not right. Anyway, there was a, a professional league out there 
um, years and years ago, and they had some uh, teams there. And of course, they've had junior hockey there for years. They're very they have a familiarity with the Canadian junior system as uh, as well. So I, you know, and you know, it's proven already. Like you know, in 12 minutes, they had surpassed the uh, you know the Vegas Golden Knights in terms of t- season ticket sales, and they ended up selling more than 30,000 season tickets. Now, obviously, they're not going to. Uh, sell thirty some thousand season tickets, but you know they've guaranteed all of those people are going to be able to get at least a partial uh, plan. So you know it's going to be an instant success. I know the league is very bullish about this; they're very excited about it. This completes the the balance conference. Now we'll end up with uh, um, you know the same number of teams now in each conference. We're, so we're back to that again. So there's a lot to like about it, and I think. Um, Gary Bettman is pretty excited about this. This is, you know, a far more desirable situation than, you know, adding Quebec City. I mean, not that Quebec City wouldn't be a success because it will be. I mean, it's low-hanging fruit. If you put a team in Canada, they will come. Um, but in this case, you know, this is opening a new vista for them, a new marketplace, and you know, expanding the footprint of America. So it's uh, it, it it's really been on their radar for a very long time. With possible relocations, uh, like you were mentioning with Arizona, uh, have we seen the last of the expansion in the NHL? I don't think so, and I don't think it should be. And when I say that, people are aghast because you know we're we're, we're you know have more teams in the NFL, but you know the NFL is a different league. There's no reason for the NFL to expand because you're just taking away and splitting up the pie. You're not. You know, you can't increase the visibility of the NFL. It's big. It's huge. It, it is what it is. So they don't need to expand. But the NHL is still a gate revenue-driven league. Like, it, you know, its ability to increase its revenue is still generated primarily by its ability, and it's a strong ability, to get people in the, the turnstiles. And I think um, there's still an appetite for cities who want teams and that, you know, that's the way you increase your attendance is to have kind of more teams. And I think uh, all that is the reason why I wouldn't be shocked if we end up seeing, you know, at least another round of expansion, maybe two more teams. You know, I don't think it's going to be next year, but I do believe that it's going to happen. I've got one more question before we let you go, uh, Kevin. With next year, there are at least 50, really good top-line RFAs next year um, from Marner, Matthews, and a whole, like Kachuk, a whole list of guys next year that are out of their entry-level deals. Are we going to see some teams jump up and sign some of these guys to an offer sheet? Well, my position is completely different than a lot of the other uh major writers i i think not i i think that the um the offer sheet concept doesn't work and and i think everybody knows it doesn't work and it's fruitless um i can't imagine many circumstances in which a team wouldn't we sign the player because the minute you don't do that you leave yourself vulnerable you now have a history of not um matching an offer sheet and teams would know that and you don't that and the other thing is is if you make those things if you make an offer that's onerous on the team 
with the hope that it'll say, man, I don't want to do that. It's going to totally disrupt my salary cap. Well, guess what? It's going to disrupt yours, too. You know, to, to make that offer, you've got to give them a contract that's hard not only for its existing team, but all teams to match. And that makes it hard on you. And the minute you bring a new guy in, and I've had many GMs talk about this, then suddenly that affects your salary cap as well. Like if you're uh, a team that has been able to convince, let's use the Tampa Bay Lightning as an example. You've convinced all your players to take a little bit less. You know, you argue that uh, there's no uh, state tax in Florida, so you know you can you can accept a little bit less, and then you can allow that team to bring in other players. Well, the minute you bring in a contract where you've kind of gone overboard, then all the players that are already on your team say, all right, well, enough of that. Well, if you're going to give player, uh, you know, John Smith this amount, well, I want more as well. So it's a very disruptive process to sign someone to a contract that causes another team to think twice about about matching. So to, to do that, you know, you're going to create harm on your own salary cap structure as well. So and they also, the minute you do that, other teams are going to go after you. There'll be a punishment on that. So it, it's a it's a messy process. It, it doesn't. It's not as easy as the fan base or the media wants it to be. It's very time consuming. It takes a lot of work to sort of figure out what you can do. And then ultimately, I would say 95% of the time, the team is going to match. So I, you know, I don't see it. I know I know people are thinking, well, well, we'll do this to Toronto. And, uh, you know, they're not going to sign. They'll just let them go. They're not going to let them go. You know, if if they got hit with a an offer sheet on either of those two players, they would just trade, you know, half the roster. That's what, You know, that's what they would do. I mean, uh, it's that simple. They're not going to lose Marner or Matthews or Tavares. You know, they're going to trade Cadre. Or, or they're going to, you know, they'll be playing with the defense that, or they'll be playing with, uh, you know, seven or eight players on their roster that they have a minimum salary. So anyway, we'll see. I mean, a lot of people are predicting that's going to happen, but I just don't believe it just because I, I think the process is so disruptive on a salary cap to give a contract that, uh, that causes uh, teams uh, to, uh, uh, to think twice about resigning them because it will have the same impact on your, your salary structure as well. Well, Kevin, before we let you go, um, you have anything in the works going on? Any new books? Uh, I do. I'm working on a book uh, with Stu Grimson um, that uh, will be out uh, next year, and uh, it's been a fun process. Stu has a lot of great tales to tell, and um, as everyone knows, he's a lawyer now, so uh, he's a very bright guy, and his perspective on uh, life as a tough guy in the NHL, I think, is... uh, is refreshing and unique, and I think people will be interested in that. And it's not the first book you've written about a tough guy. Uh, your book, Darren McCarty's book, phenomenal book, by the way. Um, plus, you've had a book with Chris Chelios in the past. Uh, so, great books, by the way. Uh, I loved reading them. Um, so, I, I'm looking forward to the Stu Grimson book. Yeah, no, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. And, uh, um, you know, he's got some great stories, and like I said, you know, because of his uh, um, uh, the way he is able to communicate, I think you'll get sort of a fresh approach and a different perspective about, um, you know, toughness and its effectiveness in the NHL. And, you know, even his path to the uh, to the league is very unique. So uh, I can't wait till it gets out and see how people react to it. 
Well, Kevin, thank you for joining us this morning. I hope you and your family have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you both. See you later. Thank you, Kevin. Kevin Allen from USA Today with some interesting takes on some of the hot topics in the NHL. Yeah, and there's an authority on on the NHL. It's Kevin Allen. Absolutely. The guy, other than Elliot Freeman, this guy, Kevin Allen, I mean, he is Mr. Hockey. Uh, among He is a Hall of Famer. So within the hockey community, absolutely. So with that, my friend, another show is in the books. I wanted to play this. And I didn't get time, so I'm going to play it now Many Christmas to take us ago, out. I went to buy a doll for my son. <laughs> I reach for the last Doug, you might had, like this, Alex. But so did another man. I could tell already. As I rain blows upon him, I realized there had to be another way. <laughs> what happened to the doll? It was destroyed. But out of that, a new holiday was born. A festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to play the whole thing, but I just wanted to wish you a happy Festivus, Alex. Happy Festivus to you, my friend. And you also have a, a Merry Christmas. And uh, like I said, if we if you get a chance to do another show this week, let me know. I'm available. Okay, so. okay we'll do. I'll, I'll get a hold of you, my friend. Uh, all right. Everyone, have a great holiday, Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever you celebrate. Hope it's a great one. Uh, And we'll talk to you next time.